Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 97. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me in this episode. Uh, If it's your first time, I hope you find uh, something wonderful here. Uh, If you've uh, maybe visited this podcast before, uh, I pray that you you keep drawing from it. I hope that uh, the Lord speaks through me. And I welcome all those across the world, um, the United States. um, And uh, I just welcome you. I hope that the Lord speaks. So today, I was reading, um, well, listening to rather some scripture on my way to work, and some things started jumping out to me, and uh, and I, I really wanted to share them because I thought they were they were thoughts I've never had before, and um, I think they were very fascinating and enlightening, and so I just want to pass some of that on to you uh, to consider. Um, I think I've shared on this topic before. Um, but I do believe that um, there's some some new perspectives to to consider in it. Uh, so today's uh, scripture will be coming out of uh, Luke chapter 11, starting 24 uh, through 26. Uh, I'll just read the scripture, and then uh, my intention will be to just uh, read read a, a small section and then point out some things to think about, uh, some thoughts that I've been shown and uh, so we'll just go with step kind of step by step approach. So uh, the scripture reads this out of Luke 11:24 through 26. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, "I will return to my house from which I came." And when When it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So I just pray that the Lord would speak through me, that kind of take me out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to to lead and direct and that our hearts and minds would be open to what you would have to say to us in Jesus' name. So again, I think that I have shared on this portion of Scripture before, but there are some profound things that that I've recently come across that I've never seen. And that beginning portion, we'll just again read a small segment, and it says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of the person. Well, remember, these are the words of Jesus himself. So that part right there, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, that right there tells us and establishes for us that a spirit, in here in this case, an evil spirit, can be in a person. So... The idea of trying to discredit the, let's call it habitation, of a spirit, namely here an evil spirit, this idea of discrediting this habitation, uh, the desire to discredit 
that is actually counter to what Bible uh, Scripture has revealed to us. And keeping in mind even the words of, of Christ himself. And it says, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none. Now, one thing I didn't say that I'm reminded of now is when the unclean spirit has gone out, if you look at the tense of that, has gone out, it's an active word. And whether that is it's gone out because someone has a stronger man in the sense of the spiritual realm, a stronger has has um, come up to and cast it out, um, or itself has gone. It could either be either of those, but so we don't really know, but nonetheless, it's an active uh, sense that it is actively gone. So keeping that in mind, but moving on, it says that it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. Now, I believe, and I think this is part of what I had shared in previous episode, is I believe that these evil spirits are relegated to waterless places. This is part of the I think maybe the punishment outside of obviously judgment that will inevitably come, p- part of the punishment that they must endure is in, uh, the inability to find rest uh, uh, maybe apart from a body. They are passing through waterless places. W- when we think of water, we think of, of all that it provides. It's refreshing. It's nourishing. It's thirst-quenching all the many benefits that water provides. But see, this evil spirit gets none of those benefits. It's a waterless place, an arid or dry, some translations say. And and I believe that it's not permitted to experience that, that refreshment, that nourishment, that quenching. So when an evil spirit is outside of a body, it finds no rest. Now this I believe supports what we have what we read about the demon uh, possessed man of the Gadarenes because remember the demons begged Jesus not to send them out of the area. Now I think there's more layers inside of that. I, I believe that it they wanted to also maintain their place not just of of rest inside of this man's body but even more so maybe the they are wanting to maintain their hub, their station, their stronghold in that area because they asked Jesus not to send send them out of the area. So I think there was I think there was more at play in that story than simply just um, they didn't want to um, leave the body of the man so that they were forced to, to pass through you know these unrestful places these. Uh, waterless regions. So, but outside of a body, they are not permitted to rest, and the environment to them is one of a uh, waterless. Um, so, moving on, it says, and finding none, 
finding none, no rest, it says, I will return to my house. Now, let that, that phrasing, let it be an indicator of how they would view a place in which they habitate or the place that they inhabit. They call it, they're, they're calling it a house. Now, we know this based on what Jesus is speaking of. It is, it is a, an evil spirit um, habitating in a human being. They call it their house. Now that's fascinating, and we should we should consider that this this kind of place of abiding. And I think it's it's fascinating how how much that is used in the Gospel of John. Abide in me. You know, Jesus gives those words. It's this kind of housing idea. So so they view they they view that place in which they habitate. Uh, as a house, and he says, from which I came, and when it comes, remember it said, uh, finding none, it says, I will return to my house when it comes. So there is a sense here, uh, so I came, and when it comes, so there's a sense here of traveling from one place to another. Remember, it, when it comes, it finds the house. Notice that it finds it. It discovers this previous house, this person's whole life. Remember, we're not talking about a literal house. We're talking about the place in which the evil spirit would, would uh, abide. So when it comes, it finds the house. So it discovers that their this previous quote house this person's life it finds it it doesn't know it it's important to see and it's very subtle and, and I've never noticed it before really it finds it discovers it doesn't know so this reinforces to us the limited revelation that the demonic realm has they they may see rather no doubt they they probably see more fully than even we do in our humanity you know before anyone really recognized Jesus and who he was the demonic knew exactly who he was how often do we run into these great trials and persecutions right before right before breakthrough comes Perhaps it is that they can see the breakthrough, the the moment of shifting before we can. And so there, there's this full frontal assault upon the life of the Christian. Um, perhaps it is because they can see more clearly in regards than we can in, in some of those aspects. But I say that this spirit, when it comes, it finds the house. It discovers this, this, I guess, um, well, well, we'll just keep calling it a house. It finds the house, the person, their life swept and in order. Now, like I said, we're not speaking of a physical house. This is speaking of a person's life. But when you think about what does it mean 
for this evil spirit to find a swept and put in order house. I believe that this means that this person's life is now in order. Think about all the dysfunction that an evil spirit causes. And really, if if I can kind of go out on a limb here, I don't think it's too far of a stretch, but it it lives and longs to create that dysfunction, that disorder, that chaos in a person's life. And and so it's 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 right in line with that demon's nature is to cause disorder and chaos and dysfunction. We see many times in the New Testament when Jesus actually intervenes in a person's life and casts out an evil spirit that was causing the dysfunction. Jesus cast out a mute spirit, which was because the spirit was mute, it actually caused the man to be mute. So the dysfunction of the demon carried over into this dysfunction of the person's life. How many of our, how many aspects of our life um, are in dysfunction, and to what degree of that dysfunction is is um, a de, you know the demonic causing those dysfunctions? So if we can get a grasp on what it is that's actually afflicting us, it's like a doctor writing a prescription for a medication. Once you know what it is causing the illness, then you can then attack it uh, appropriately and correctly. So that's important. I think we should remember this. So when, he's, when, when Jesus says it, it finds the house swept and put in order, I think it is saying that this person's life is perhaps maybe back together. Maybe it's more neat and tidy. Maybe it's more organized. It's absent chaos. So this would be a picture if if we could, of the possessed man at the Gadarenes who is in his right mind, dressed and sit, sitting at the feet of Jesus. We would find this man's life swept and put in order. Now, um, the scripture says, after finding this house in this state, and that is put together, functioning appropriately, maybe in some regard, it says, then it goes, here, here that is again, it goes, that's implying traveling. So remember some of these, remember some of these words here that we're finding. Um, when it has gone out of a person, I will return to my house from which I came. Think of the, notice these words of travel. When it comes, it finds, then it goes and brings. Do you see all those words of of traveling, of to and fro? Now, th- this is also something that I've never noticed, and I think it's it's pretty interesting. All of these traveling words, it comes, it goes. I'm reminded of Job when God spoke to Satan and said, from where have you come? And he replies, from going to and fro. So there's this aspect involved in the, we'll just call it the demonic realm. There's this aspect of traveling. Now, let's think a little more broadly here. Think about Cain. And you know we know Cain and Abel. Think about Cain in his punishment. He was... He was relegated to being a wanderer. 
His part of his punishment was that he was to be a wanderer. Think about that word in relation to traveling. I think this is profound because it gives us a bit of understanding of the depths of a person's soul who is not redeemed. They are a wanderer. Now, what does that mean? They, a person who is not redeemed, they are lost. They are searching. They are going to and fro. It's, it's a picture absent of rest. Remember, the, the, the demon is saying when it leaves a person, when it goes out of a person, it's seeking rest but doesn't find any. There is this, there is this component of wandering. So this is a behavior that we see that is present in this demonic realm, this coming and going, this to and fro. You see the connection, and then it goes and brings seven other spirits. Now, this is revealing because it would suggest to us there is a cooperation occurring in the demonic realm, which also insinuates if there's a cooperation, there's a structure, there's an organization, there's a strategy. These are all things that we may kind of take for granted. We may, they may not surprise us too much, uh, but we, we may perhaps certainly not consider them. Um, I know I don't really think about it, but this, so this is intriguing to think about. But notice the scripture says, when it comes, it finds, then it goes and brings. You see all that piece together? When it comes, it finds, then it goes and brings. So that informs us that there is a recognition, that there is uh, a reaction to to things within their organization and their structure. And, and it says it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. Okay, notice that. Seven. It brings seven other spirits. Seven. This also could clarify for us that there is a numerical value tied to the demonic realm. There is... Uh, there is, in a sense, uh, numbers of them, not an arbitrary or abstract involvement, but rather concrete, actual, real, numerical values tied to their order. They bring, they bring this other spirit brings seven other spirits. But moving on, then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. Now, of, of all that I have read in this scripture, I find this part of this passage to be the most surprising uh, of this portion. It brings seven other spirits. Here it is, more evil than itself. To think that an evil spirit has degrees of evil is profound to me because I would think or I have thought that evil is evil. I have heard this actually taught even many times that we in our humanity think of the things occurring in our world in relation to degrees of difficulty. You know, for example, if a person that has, you know, a headache, let's say, 
we think of this in terms of how you know God might approach it, uh, how difficult that would, could potentially be. We think about you know stage four cancer, and we see that with this greater degree of difficulty. And but in reality, there in God's perspective, there are not degrees of difficulty because whether it's the most we'll call it the simplest or the most difficult situation. It's all the same to God, for nothing poses any difficulty to God. And so we've kind of, we've taught that perspective that we see things in degrees and perhaps not to do that. But this actually, Scripture reveals to us something unique, that there are degrees of evil. Remember, Jesus is saying these things. It finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. For this scripture says he brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. So that tells us that the spirit that occupied um, that person was not as evil as those that it brought with it. Now, not in this episode, but I think it's important to consider, at least think on it, search the scriptures yourself, but things that we're not really addressing, but would be um, important to consider is how did it return? Why did the spirit return? How could it return? What are the circumstances in which it returned? There's many things to seek to understand inside of the scripture. But just kind of generally, I do believe that this spirit came back because all that had occurred in this person's life is that things were put together. This person's life was in order. Let's say they were back again to being a functioning human person. Things were more neat and tidy in their life. But but perhaps the more important thing that was needed was a, a rehabilitation of that empty place in that person. There's this open space in a person and that evil spirit leaves. Now, however, whatever circumstance surrounded the exiting of that evil spirit, there must then be an infilling and um, if, if a person doesn't allow themselves to be infilled with the Spirit of God, then there is a vacancy there. And um, we see here in this, in this picture that there was the ability for this evil spirit along with its comrades to, to rehabilitate this individual. So these comrades, more evil than itself, come. And I think Jesus establishes through this scripture that there are degrees of evil. I think in some ways we, we have evidence of this in our own experiences. There are people who have a certain degree of evil manifesting in their life. And there are others who have maybe even higher degrees of evil. The things in which they do are more detestable, more evil. That would suggest to us that there are more or greater degrees 
more variations of evil present in the life of of an individual. Now, I I would suggest that uh, there is a there is actually a tactic that the enemy that the enemy will use because you see a a person typically doesn't start out from being let's say at best neutral and then immediately transitioning to being say a Adolf Hitler who is seeking to completely wipe out a race of people. No, this isn't traditionally the way it progresses. It starts as an incremental change. And this would suggest the use of varying degrees of evil, uh, evil spirits' influence. These evil spirits begin this process of influencing and whispering into the ear of its occupant until things continue to escalate and increasing degrees of evil come upon a person's life. This is most often the strategy of the devil. And I would say it's a rather effective one because it's the slow change that one least recognizes. It's a clever strategy. But as we conclude out this portion of Scripture... The last part of the verse says, and they enter and dwell there, that is the person, the occupant, so that now they've come back to their former house. Now, it says, though, there towards the end, the last state of that person is worse than the first. Now, I think we have all seen people in our lives that at some point, they got their life straightened out. They have, let's say, dealt with their chaos, their dysfunction. They have gotten their life swept and in order. And then at some point in their life, dysfunction comes back to them. And in most of those cases, that dysfunction that comes back, that chaos actually worsens. I think that is established here in this text because Jesus says the last state is the state in which these evil spirits come back to that person and remembering those that are more evil than the original. So the last state is worse than the first. I believe that when we see people, uh, experience people in our lives who... We, we see have established this, we'll call it a principle at work. They've had some freedom experience at some point. This chaos comes back, and now it seems to have done so at a more heightened degree. We should recognize that would be the work of an evil or unclean spirit or spirits. I think if we can recognize that if we can recognize that, then we can know how we are to deal with it. And when I say, when I mean that, I'm saying that individual needs deliverance. I think we, we open doors to unclean spirits, to evil spirits. When we, when we open doors, we invite them in, or rather even not necessarily invite them in in the sense of explicitly, but we permit them to come and to go. And this reinforces the need of what Paul speaks about 
when we are to guard our lives. We have to be on guard. We have to be watchful. We have to be vigilant. So when we notice this change in people, when we see this type of demonstrated behavior, we should recognize this principle at work. It, it could help us to deal with that particular dysfunction and how perhaps we should approach it. So just kind of in closing here, I want to um, just pray a general prayer over anyone who may be hearing this who feels like, you know, as you say this, as you talk about the increased dysfunction or chaos, I have tasted some deliverance for myself and I have feel like my, my house, my life was, was somehow put in order or um, restored to some degree. And over the course of time, I feel like things, you know, I've lost connection with, with, um, that victory and things have worsened. They're worse than they have ever been. And I believe that this scriptural principle is at work. And um, if you feel like this is, is something that would be applicable to your life, I just want to pray for and over you. Um, so, you know, if you're, you're wherever you're at, if you're able to, to just in the moment, be receptive and receive the prayer. Um, if you're driving, just keep driving um, and just receive it. Um, and do so by faith and just kind of partner with with me in faith um, that we can find deliverance in this moment. So so I just ask, Father, that the people who are hearing this that are have tasted of some some sort of deliverance or freedom from any kind of evil influence and has now found themselves enchained in in burdened by a heightened degree of dysfunction and chaos in their life. God, I would just pray that by by the name of Jesus, that that whatever spiritual influence would have themselves, uh, their, their talons tangled in the listener's life, God, that you would break those chains that I, I command in Jesus' name that those spirits would depart, would leave, would would be cast out, and that in in the name of Jesus, they would find a fullness and a and a hope and a joy. And I pray that you would fill them. God, I, I pray that they would surrender their lives to you fully, that they would give them themselves to relationship and proximity and nearness to you and your Holy Spirit, that that they would not just profess the name of Jesus, but they would intertwine themselves by giving themselves fully and surrendering themselves fully to the leading of Jesus. I pray that you would just fill their lives with victory and the light of Christ and that you would begin a relationship and work in their lives that they would fully give of themselves, fully surrender to everything you are and everything you want them to be. So I just bless them um, and I break the curse off of them that would seek to destroy, to bring down their lives and those that are in, their loved ones. Um, I just ask that you would protect them, that you would guard them, and that you would just reveal to them how much you do desire them and how much you do love them and want them to be in perfect fellowship and friendship with you. Allow us to be led by the Spirit. Give us ears to hear, a heart that is 
pliable and obedient to you that I pray that you would just inject them, God, to desire you like they've never desired you before. I pray that it would be as though the lights were just turned on and in just a moment that their whole framework of thinking would change. I pray that addictions and um, obsessions would would just be broken miraculously, God. I pray that you would multiply the effect of this beyond what I'm even able to communicate. Um, God, I know that you are able and capable. I trust that you have destined this for this time, those that are hearing this at the, at the, at the time that they are hearing it, even if it's back in time and looking forward. However, you transcend time and space, God, and there's, there's no wall, there's no barrier that you can't overcome. And so I just declare freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus, that lives would be given over to in pursuit of Jesus, and that they would give themselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and that he would fill them and flood them and baptize them in the fullness of who he is. And so I thank you for what you're doing and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that it is an encouragement and a blessing. Um, if you if you feel like the Lord has moved in your life in this particular way, please reach out. Uh, contact info is on the podcast details. Uh, please reach out to me and let me know. Um, it would be a huge encouragement to me. If you have particular um, questions about scriptures that you would like for me to explore, um, please reach out and, and suggest or recommend those. I'd love to give those attention. Um, just be in prayer for me and the things that God is doing in my life, both uh, personally and also the, the, the ministry work that he has me um, entering into. I look forward to that. I'm jealous for your prayers, and I thank you for taking the time to uh, join me on this. So until next time, God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.